2: The, go through some emails check your calendar see that you have a 45 minute break in the day between meetings realize this is your moment So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select
0: faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. cowboy meal valid when product served. Welcome to episode number 61 of the LSR podcast. My name is Matt Brown. Joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry with me this week, Adam Candy, Dustin Galker. We're going to run down a bunch of things, but you might have been finding us right now on YouTube. First and foremost, sorry, we're not better looking. Sorry about that. However, if you are finding us here on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button because we will be putting the podcast over on video form moving forward. And if you'd like to consume this over there. Go ahead and find us over there on, uh, on YouTube and give us the subscribe button because we will, uh, you know, we're going to maybe even add in some production value, some different things like that. So we're, we're going to crank this up, no doubt. We're over on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on all the places that you're finding all of your podcasts as well if you want audio only. All right, Adam, let's uh, let's kick things off here with uh, you explaining uh, what's going on, how how things have been. I mean, you've got the hat on you. You didn't want to go with the Garrett Cole hair. That's everything. I mean, you have not gotten a haircut since February. Is this correct?
1: I have had zero haircuts since February. (laughs) And Matt, I actually think that to your earlier point of sorry, we're not better looking. I'm not sure this luscious salad could be looking any better than it is (laughs) under the hat. The problem is the top had more of a Uh, Quinn Snyder thing going on that mm. I don't think everyone was ready for quite yet. Check back next week though. You never know.
0: Listen, that is, that is perfectly fine. And I'm glad that you were uh, kind enough to take our viewers into account there. Now, Dustin, you've got the 57 degrees behind you. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I don't even know how you had time to go to that much school. I mean, like what's, what's going on with this background? My my
3: wife has all the degrees. She's, she's much smarter than (laughs) I am. So she got the degrees. I, I have only given myself a haircut. So we'll see if that happens again so I, I don't look quite as nice as, as your trimmed sides but we'll get there
0: well, I will tell you guys that um I did in fact uh get a professional haircut last Friday so that is uh that's what's going on over here with me uh so we'll uh you know look it it's it is what it is, right? I mean, I, I went in there. It had been since February for me as well. But uh, Dustin, kick things off here for us, right? Uh, let's talk about some uh, – let's talk about Kenny from over at uh, GBC, shall we?
3: Yeah, so last week we were talking about how uh, the CEO of GBC, uh, Kenny Alexander, was dropping bombs about uh, their uh, what they're doing with uh, BetMGM in terms of uh, – Trying to dominate the U.S. market, they want to overtake DraftKings. Uh, after he dropped all those knowledge bombs on us, he just, uh, this has been uh, kind of rumored for a while. But he is leaving uh, CEO uh, CEO of GVC to spend some more time with his family. He's been with that company for 13 years. Maybe not a household name here in the U.S., but uh, has this joint venture with BetMGM, and then as a, as a uh, combined unit, they have this. These pretty lofty goals for what they're doing in the U.S. So this will now happen without the, the person who's been at the helm for 13 years. Uh, the person who's coming in uh, has been the CEO for the company uh, seems to be ready to take over the over the reins. So we'll see what this means in terms of uh, BetMGM and what their market position will be uh, moving forward. But uh, like, like we've said in the past, they have some some pretty big designs in, in challenging DraftKings and FanDuel in the long term, and we'll see if that happens uh, well, with a new new person in charge.
0: Now, Adam, we talked a lot about kind of everything that was going on with that story uh, last week. Again, we might have some new people joining us here. Give us just the the in a nutshell here, some of the stuff that was said and some of the things that we are our, our reactions to what we're talking about here with Kenny and GBC.
1: Yeah, the Kenny Alexander story is interesting on its own because of his position as the head of GVC. But when you take into account last week's call announcing the new funding for Roar Digital, man, oh man, does this look like the sort of thing we all wish we could do on our way out the door, right? Like we all wish we could leave on a note where we say, hey, you know what we think this company should do? We should just go ahead and knock off DraftKings as the market leader. And you know what? Mic drop, I'm out. And so Kenny Alexander left some big... Big goals for uh, for Adam Greenblatt and Roar Digital in the joint venture that they have with MGM. Of course, they announced a quarter billion dollars in new funding to help them keep up with DraftKings and with Flutter for the upcoming marketing push for NFL season 2020 and beyond.
0: Adam, over here, we have talked a ton about official league data here on the podcast as well. It is a very hot topic. It is something that will probably continue to be a hot topic throughout the course of legalization. As we move into new states, we know that probably there will be new bills that get introduced that have that inside of it and and whatnot. Um, let's talk about uh, Sport Radar and what they have to say.
1: Interesting Q&A, Matt, from our friend Brad Allen over in the UK, who spoke with Neil Dealy from Sport Radar. And in that interview, Neil essentially said that he thinks that the debate over the utility of official league data is over. You think the the market has clearly said yes. Now, I think there is probably some nuance to be taken from that in terms of mandated official league data use versus coming to this via commercial agreement. Uh, I think the market would say commercial agreement is the way to go, but we know that the sports leagues have been pushing to get this included in the uh, legislation. Throughout the country, now what I find really interesting about it, Matt, is that you only have to go back about a year to find some people from the same company from Sport Radar talking about the fact that official league data isn't the be-all end all, saying that you know they offer multiple products that could be of use, but there seems to be a keeping up with the Jones aspect when it comes to official league data. NFL, NBA, et cetera, where sportsbooks don't want to be left behind. The question, of course, is, should they be required to do that? And the market so far seems to think they should not.
0: Now, Dustin, this is one of the points that we've talked about here. And it, it is there an advantage? And this is what I think that this will all come down to. If there can there be any proven advantage to having official league data as opposed to how they've gone about getting data before this?
3: Yeah, I mean the proof will be in the US market, I think, right? If you have official league data and you're doing better than your competitors or you have more markets available or your live betting offering is better, that's that's where the proof is. If you're but if you're you know if you're not doing that as proof of concept, like I think you're you definitely see that, that maybe there isn't. So yeah, it's it's I think it's proof is in the product and the, and the actual betting offer and you know the latency on on being able to have provide live markets. You know, they you know, we've been yeah, we've obviously been told by the leagues and, and the data companies that you need to have us. I think we'll see that bear out as the market develops, and yeah, I think I, I don't think anybody's debating whether there actually is value either. There's just the debate we've always had is do you have to you have to bake this into what you do as far as a regulatory or a legislative standpoint, and we've we've never thought. And again, we've seen all of these commercial deals that have happened. You know, some of it has been because the state has said it, but at the same time, these are companies are seeing value in, in these deals, so they're doing them. So I don't think there's again I don't think there's any doubt that there is value there it's uh, just a, just a matter of pushing it as you have to do this or you can't run a sports book
0: so we have uh, been monitoring really closely the numbers ever since we began this podcast it's very interesting to see how they go up and down and fluctuate and year to year week to week month to month whatever it might be well probably dustin one of the more interesting things that we've seen uh here is the fact that the new jersey numbers came out and everybody was kind of like, "Wait, wait, wait. what do those numbers actually say? Like, let, let's talk about these New Jersey numbers.
3: Yeah, I mean, the, the top line number is that revenue was actually up year-over-year, year, which sounds like a wild proposition, but it, it was up. Uh, this is, you know why that is. It's probably some a lot of betting on fringe sports that people don't know as well. So sports books were doing better versus the public in terms of, of that. But New Jersey actually made 12 million dollars uh, in operator revenue. From sports betting in in June, uh, up from a little over nine million, I believe, last June, and that's with a lot more betting. You know, there was a uh, just under 170 million in total handle in New Jersey in June, which is, uh, you know, I'd say what probably about a third of what we'd expect right now if June, if everything were going according to normal in the sports world. So um, that's also why we track handle in terms of, of growth of the market because revenue can be highly variable in any in any single month, and it's not a great indicator of of growth it's kind of it's kind of a just a snapshot of how the sports books did against betters in that certain month so uh yeah it's uh, you know certainly it's good for the state and for the, the sports books that they're making some money uh obviously not good for betters that they're losing a lot of money uh to on these fringe sports but uh, as we all know July we're hoping that some some normal sports come come back and uh, maybe a little less of an edge for for the sports books versus the public
0: And Adam, it'll probably be fairly interesting whenever we get the numbers back from July here, just strictly to see, I mean, look, we have a golf tournament that started today that was a very big, um, that was a very big buzz around it because Tiger Woods was coming back and it was the first time he was going. We've seen, we were hearing numbers coming out of a lot of these sports books saying like they were seeing handle that they could not imagine on a tournament like this with the Memorial that's going off. So, I mean, can... Can golf basically carry the water here? Now we will have, fingers crossed again, where we're still a little, we we should have a week of baseball in there as well. But, um, you know, will that be enough to, to kind of make these numbers interesting? It'll be fun.
1: It could be, Matt. And I think the question we're going to find out is, were you betting on table tennis because it was the only thing there? Or do you now fancy yourself a table tennis expert, right? <laughs> How much actual demand is there in the market? Are the people who have been coming in and betting these fringe sports going to go back to what they usually do, which is betting on the big four major sports and then college football, if that does actually happen this fall. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think August will give you a better picture than July, assuming that we were able, of course, to keep these bubbles going all the way through August. And uh, then we don't know what's coming with the NFL in September. But It should be a very interesting look for golf, as you just mentioned, because of the Tiger effect, right? He's not going to play that much. I mean, at this point in Tiger's career, you're going to get anywhere between 12 and 18 events out of Tiger every year. It just so happens this is one where he has five victories in the past and was able to generate a lot of interest, both for betting and for hopefully TV ratings as well.
0: Dustin, what about Pennsylvania? Um, With the New Jersey numbers looking interesting, uh, what did we see come out of Pennsylvania? So
1: Pennsylvania, roughly $90 million wagered uh, revenue about uh, slightly up, we'll say, from last month. Not quite on par with what we saw in New Jersey, but really not a bad month. Third consecutive month that we've seen revenue go up in Pennsylvania and a good trend overall. Uh, I think the New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York market especially going to be prone to those major league sports coming back and we'll see how much pent up demand there has been there for what is a dense pro sports market in the Northeast.
0: And Dustin, we don't talk about it a ton here on this, but what have we seen just from the casino side of things there in New Jersey and Pennsylvania?
3: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a funny thing about this. We always focus on sports betting. That's what this podcast is about, but the casino part is is just huge and has been uh, almost 85 million in operator revenue in New Jersey, 50 million in operator re- revenue in Pennsylvania. So a lot of money going through companies there and that's turning into tax revenue. And it's, it's it plateaued a little bit in June as as summer comes around and as casinos start to actually open up. But, you know, this is a, a big, a big part of this. We're going to see the dynamic on display in Michigan and the two, the two things help each other out sports betting and, and casino go, online casino go hand in hand. So we'll, uh, we'll, Continue to track it, and it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. But it is, you know, this is a big bottom line helper for, for the casinos in both Pennsylvania, and New Jersey, and will be in Michigan as well.
0: Adam, let's uh, let's talk about Rhode Island now. Of course, not the biggest state out there, but we have talked about it a lot here on the podcast and how things have been have been going there. We have not been incredibly complimentary, but uh, well, what do we have going on there in Rhode
1: Island? Ah, little roadie, little by little. They're getting it together up in Rhode Island. So remember that Rhode Island was one of the first states to legalize sports betting after the fall of PASPA. They were live by the fall of 2018, and they started out with only in-person betting and then saw that their estimate of roughly $23 million in revenue from sports betting fell more than 50% short. Uh, They came back in the next legislature and said, we're going to put in mobile betting. Great. So you're off to at least half of what you need to be able to get done because what they did was they kept an in-person registration requirement. So our Matthew Waters has been tracking how many people signed up for sports betting versus how many people actually activated accounts because there was a method that was sort of an in-between step where you could register online but then have to go to a casino in order to get the account activated. And we were seeing conversions at less than 40%. So now... With the pandemic giving some cover to those who were against remote registration, you have seen a bill introduced in Rhode Island in the last week to allow for mobile registration. I think they're pushed both by the pandemic and by looking right next door in New Hampshire and seeing that remote registration has been a boon for New Hampshire as well. So Rhode Island, if it's able to pass this bill, and that bill as of yesterday had made its way to the floor on both Uh, sides of the legislature companion bills uh, working both ways there. Rhode Island by the fall might have fully mobile almost two years after approving sports betting in the first place.
0: Dustin, we had some news come out of Virginia, pretty excited about Virginia. Actually, we were trying to figure out just how close we were there in Virginia. And does it look like maybe not as close as we thought?
3: Yeah, the original timeline for Virginia sports betting was supposed to be later this year, possibly by December. Uh, We just saw draft regulations come out in Virginia. And as part of that, the the timeline has been put on hold a little bit. Now, uh, people in Virginia are forecasting more like uh, early 2021 for for betting. So uh, not the end of the world, but not quite as fast as as we'd hoped. Uh, Virginia, hopefully, here is in the middle of of the states that have gone really fast and the states that have gone really slow, you know, when I think about, you know, they just started this week, really uh, on, on past after the regulations, they're going to start taking applications this fall, and uh, you know, hopefully they they do things correctly and uh, you have a good you have a good rollout of sports betting with multiple operators and a, and a good product for good products out there for people. So uh, it looks like we can we can scrap 2020 for Virginia, but soon after the new year is rung in, we'll so see have some uh, some online sports betting.
0: So Adam, uh, looking here at uh, Virginia, I mean, where it's geographically located, its size, with the sports that aren't necessarily, uh, you know, in the state. There, what are we looking at as far as kind of a, a market for Virginia? Is this kind of like on par with I don't know a a, a Mississippi or something like that? Or are you thinking that maybe this is kind of something that could that could exceed you know one of these other one of these other smallerish states?
1: I think you're probably looking at something better than Mississippi. I mean, just starting with the fact that it's all online versus Mississippi being all in person. But I know you're talking generally in terms of market size. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind that when you talk about Virginia, you're, of course, talking about Virginia, Maryland and the Washington, D.C. area. Now, we have spent plenty of breath, probably too much on this podcast talking about Washington, D.C. and just how royally they have botched the rollout of both in-person and mobile sports betting. So you would assume that the D.C. market, much of which lives in Virginia in the first place, is going to be looking for a better product. Virginia is going to have anywhere up to 12 potential apps getting into the market. And remember, as of right now, no casinos, although there will be down the line in Virginia. So a lot like Tennessee in terms of the model. You look next door in Maryland. Maryland is going to be sending sports betting to the ballot. So there is potential for Virginia to slide in there and grab a sort of regional hold on that market if they're able to get things going uh, kind of by the Super Bowl is what we're looking at with that early 2021 target.
0: Well, Mr. Candy, it would not be an LSR podcast here post-pandemic if we were not talking in some way, shape, or form about something going on with DraftKings. So by all means, take it away.
1: So this is an interesting piece that we have up right now at legalsportsreport.com by Brad Allen, where he spoke to some folks who had been through previous tech migrations, like the one that DraftKings and SB Tech are going to be attempting post-merger. And he got such cheery feedback as it's an outright concussion uh, trying to merge these two platforms. Uh, Fascinating piece by Brad, I would suggest going to Legal Sports Report and checking that out. In there, I think you get a very clear look as to why the demise of Camby has potentially been overstated. Because you could be well into 2021 by the time DraftKings and SB Tech have that, uh, as they've called it, uh, pure play uh, stack where they have everything in-house. Canby, of course, is contracted to stay on with DraftKings to provide that back end for as long as it takes to get... SB Tech up to speed. But the more you read the article by Brad, the more you start to think 2021 and deep into 2021 is much more realistic than anything you might have heard previously. And even Jason Robbins has talked about that, the CEO of DraftKings, that they're not going to rush this. They're going to take it slow. The interesting thing I find about that, and I want to know what you guys think about this, is DraftKings, in terms of that stock value, has been selling the we own our tech stack idea. Well, if you're now pointing 12 to 18 months out, how much of the value do you take away there in terms of what you've been thinking DraftKings really is in the near to medium term?
0: Well, I guess, Dustin, this is probably, that's actually an excellent segue here to kind of the next point, which we are now starting to see DraftKings really branch out from just the typical uh, sports betting dealer. I mean, we know, start out as a DFS company. We know that that was all basically leading to the moment whenever sports betting was going to be legalized perfect storm for them but you know you've talked about it on this pod before if you go to our sister sites you can see some of the numbers and just how much is in online casino and DraftKings now kind of stepping forward and moving into that market full force
3: yeah i mean just this week here's what we got they launched their own pennsylvania online casino standalone app outside of before that it was just a part of their of sportsbook uh in, in the states where they're alive and where online casino is also alive. Also, just yesterday, they launched the, a, an online casino in West Virginia, the first first of those in that state. So this is, uh, you know, DraftKings is not just a sports betting or a DFS company anymore. That's That much is clear. And this is all part of that as well. This is, and the casino part, like just those, you know, just New Jer- Jersey and Pennsylvania, that that might outpace revenue that they're doing. Basically, in every other state for sports betting. That's if, they, if, if in a long enough term, if they look at it, I'm not sure what their what their cut is right now between casino and sports. But it's a it's a, a fundamentally large part of their of their business in terms of what's going on. They're going to be in Michigan as well, like we talked about before. So, uh, yeah, the the, the 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 I'm with Adam on the on the tech stack. you're, you're th- I read I read Brad's, and I'm like, man, what, why would they rush this at this point? They they have a good thing going. They have products that work, like uh, the. I think that, yeah, I think that the single, I mean, down the road, yes, the single tech stack will, will be valuable, but in the short term, they're just trying to grow and you read about, you read what Brad's story and people are trying to, you have to, you have to devote a ton of resources just to some a product that products you already have. You have to, you know, you have to stop what you're doing, all developments and new, new stuff just to take X over here. Right. That's a, that's not an attractive thing as you're as you're pitching growth in the company. So it, it, it's something that obviously has to happen, that they want to happen. But uh, it'll be it'll it will be interesting to see how quickly or slowly it happens.
0: And Adam, I mean, this is one of those things with with DraftKings, as you mentioned. I mean, we know their biggest competitor in FanDuel. The way that they were able to kind of, I mean, look, they're I don't think anyone has ever talked about we talked about briefly on this podcast here and there uh, about the back end side of FanDuel and where, you know, their parent company and everything that is going on with that, that wasn't a part of what DraftKings uh, was doing and that, you know, listen, we talk about not only the advantage FanDuel has had just, we've seen in markets, but there was also a significant advantage from that side of things.
1: Well, that's something they came in with, right? As soon as the Patty Power Betfair purchase was made, You know, that's exactly what FanDuel had to go with. And I think what you look at is as soon as I say Patty Power Betfair, you, of course, are talking about Patty Power and Betfair combining. So you have some background there and there's some quotes in Brad's article that go back to that merger. So that was something FanDuel had as uh, as a built in advantage right from the start. Of course, now FanDuel, we talk about FanDuel and it's flutter. Entertainment overall. So that's something that DraftKings will be able to pitch eventually. But as Dustin was talking about, it's not just the innovation side, it's the scale. It's how quickly you have to scale up if you're DraftKings to compete. You know, you didn't get that huge cash infusion from going public to deal with engineers, at least ostensibly. You did it to be able to market and build on top of what you already have. So in order to continue to do that and to do that at the pace that might be required to do it effectively in Colorado this year, in Michigan, in Illinois, where we know DraftKings is probably somewhere close to imminent in terms of launching. So when we look at the future for DraftKings and SB Tech in terms of that migration, they have every reason to play it slow It's just interesting that they were out there pitching the idea of the tech stack not that long ago as a huge advantage that was going to help them close the gap on FanDuel.
0: Dustin, we had a a great, great story over on one of our uh, sister sites here, one that is near and dear to your heart and one that really and truly uh, tons of information, tons of time, tons of man hours that you guys put in to uh, get this story together.
3: Yeah, I mean, I wrote a story, actually, so you know how that's how important it is, I guess. Uh, I, don't, I don't write a whole <laughs> lot of stories these days, but uh, we got the documents from uh, the the change of the Wire Act, which has been in the background of everything that's going on in online gaming right now. The Back in the early 2019, the Department of Justice said it was uh, rescinding previous guidance and opinion on the Wire Act to say that it is does not just impact sports betting that impacts all sort of forms of, of gambling uh, in the United States. And that has resulted in a federal court case. Uh, it has put uh, a lot of people out on edge on, on what online sports betting and online gambling looks like in the country. And even, the, even lotteries and things, the Wire Act deals with interstate gambling, and that could impact things like the Powerball and, and Mega Millions, and things like that, which are huge revenue drivers for states. So that's the background for this. We, you know The, the New Jersey uh, Attorney General, Put out a put in a Freedom of Information Act request, trying to link uh, lobbying for this. Uh, what was going on with the Wire Act and the change that came uh, to, uh, to to parties that don't like online gambling and don't want to see its expansion? Now they were looking for possibly a link between Sheldon Adelson and uh, lobbyists that were trying to get the the Department of Justice to change its opinion. And there was certainly. There's no direct evidence of that, but there's there was a lot of stuff going on between external lobbyists and lawyers and the Department of Justice circa 2017, uh, you know, a year and a half before this uh, actually came out, and it was interesting because we we have all these emails of you know uh, people like talking about this well before the the, uh, the opinion came out. So uh, I, we we didn't uncover a smoking gun, but it, w- it certainly was interesting to see there was a ton of influence. And a ton of uh, of discussions had because of these external lawyers that kind of brought this to the people's attention. Uh, and and you know, it's also in the backdrop of apparently we're going to have a congressional hearing about the integrity of college sports. And I'm sure the Wire Act will come up there. And uh, you know, the Wire Act, uh, you know, we all talk about it all the time, but it kind of hangs over everything in the U.S., including including sports betting. It kind of makes it difficult to have it on any kind of interstate basis. Makes makes rules a little more difficult. So. It's, it was an, it's an interesting read. I tried my best to, to take a very complicated, we had, you know, me and Eric uh, Ramsey, who uh, also you know, writes for us and runs online poker report, we spent a lot of time just trying to take a bot of information and put it into digestible form and in kind of timeline order. So uh, it's, if, you, if you're into the, the vagaries of what's happened with the Wire Act, I think it's an interesting read and kind of shed some light on what's going on in, in terms of uh, the Wire Act and its, its impact on U.S. gambling.
0: And that is over at online poker report, one of our sister sites. So be sure and head over there. Lots of good information over there as well. Maybe not as uh sports sports uh, betting heavy over there, but uh, if you're into kind of all this stuff, you can find some really good information over there, but. Adam, before we uh, get out of here, I do kind of want to, again, we might be in front of some new people now. We might be in front of some new eyeballs even as we're we're kind of moving into the video side of things here. Can we just and look, hey, we're you know, we we're six and we're six months and change into the into the year. So now's as good a good time as any to kind of give a kind of a state of the union where we're at, where things are legal, what is legal in certain places, and what we're kind of looking at for the rest of 2020 here.
1: Thanks, Matt. I appreciate the opportunity to do that. You know, we're just past two years from the New Jersey market kicking off. And even though Delaware got in first, uh, New Jersey sort of giving us the real nascent birth of the U.S. sports betting industry beyond Nevada. And it has moved with quickness from that time. Uh, If you go to Legal Sports Report right now, we run down for you. Every state in the union that has sports betting, we tell you about the industry they have. We tell you about the ones that are considering sports betting, and we have legislation coverage of all of those as well. Hey, we even have stories and information about the states that probably don't have a lot of hope uh, to get sports betting anytime in the near future. So, no matter where you are in the country, we have you covered. Uh, You're looking at 21 states that have some form of legal sports betting industry in the works at this point. Uh, Roughly half of those have some sort of online sports betting available as well. So, I mean, looking at nearly 40% of the country, 40 plus percent actually, of the country with sports betting in just two years, the momentum for legalizing the activity is clear throughout the country. You're probably looking at at least one more state, Ohio, likely to legalize at some point later this year. Uh, And that, of course, would be a big domino to drop in uh, the sort of progression of states In the US, we know Michigan is coming later this year, Tennessee as well. We just talked about Virginia. Uh, The Illinois market got a big boost from uh, Governor Pritzker's executive order striking down in person registration requirements, at least for the duration of the pandemic emergency. So not only have we seen the growth over the first two years, but when you look up at the next couple of years, it might not be as many states that will come into U.S. legal sports betting in a regulated environment. But there are some big ones out there. We saw momentum in California this year. and We know the tribes in California are pushing to get sports betting on the ballot in 2022. So overall in the U.S., obviously the COVID-19 pandemic slowed down the momentum for legal sports betting as well. But I wrote about this on the anniversary of PASPA. I don't think it's the worst thing for the market to have a chance to pause for a second and say what's working, what's not working, and as we get into the next round of legislation and regulation here, what do we need to focus on in order to keep this market not just healthy for the short term over the next two, three, four years, but for this to be viable over the long haul?
0: Dustin, when inevitability, it seems like come November is my home state of Louisiana getting going there. Uh, they passed DFS, and looks like that we will probably have sports betting as well legalized. Um, when we take a look at some of the states, I mean, we 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 do turn to you for pessimism here, Dustin. <laughs> Everybody uh, we does. do want to do Absolutely. that. So <laughs> where where where's going to be the biggest disappointment here over like you know the next six to eight months? Where where are we going to find that bit of disappointment?
3: Uh, I mean, the the people people ask me in most about the largest states, obviously, because the most people live there. You know, New York has uh, physical sports books, but no online betting yet. Like, I I, I just don't think we're going to see New York in the next year, even two years. It's it's just it looks so difficult to get it there. And then you're there were the other three states we're always talking about: California, Texas, and Florida. It looks like a it looks hard to see a, any of those states are going to legalize in the real short term. California, we obviously covered a lot of that what's going on this year with um the the legislative effort there it fell apart Uh, looks like you know we're we're looking at 2023 at the earliest florida i mean i'm not say i'm not betting on them doing it anytime soon texas is they only meet every two years the legislature it's so these are the four biggest states in terms of population and we're just not probably not going to have online sports betting anytime soon in any of those if it it happens in any of those it will be transformational because these are this is uh you know bigger than a lot of the states that have legalized it combined. Uh, so we're, if, if any of these ever turn green in terms of having online sports betting, it's a it's a game changer for, for sports betting in the United States.
0: And Adam, I want to get your real quick take here. We had a, a virtual conference go on. This week, of course, people can't meet in 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 person anymore with the things that are going on here. Um Any takeaways from any of the stuff that you saw? And, uh, you know, I mean, other than the fact that that our very own Dustin Galker did moderate one of the panels.
1: Oh, and that was by far uh, my favorite panel. But clearly, <laughs> I listened to every word uh, hanging on the edge of my seat, uh, including not just words, uh, but sounds from grandfather clocks and all sorts of other (laughs) interesting things, uh, that we got out of that panel. No joking. Of course, Dustin did a great job with that. I think the most interesting thing we've seen though, uh, thus far has been the first real comments from Penn national about its relationship with barstool in the wake of yet another controversy around barstool and it's, uh, you know, uh, racism and homophobia and misogyny and the other uh, accusations that have been regularly lobbed at it. And you had Jay Snowden talk from the Penn National side about the fact that essentially, you know what, we've done this research. I've talked to Dave Portnoy myself, and I feel comfortable. Uh, These were attempts at humor that some of them didn't age well, et cetera, et cetera. I will take my reaction in two different directions. One, I'm glad Jay Snowden finally decided to say something about this because Penn National have been trying to wish this away for the last couple of weeks. Uh, they were declining comment to us, uh, essentially saying, well, go back to what Barstool had to say, which is frankly a cop out in terms of what their reaction probably should be for a company that they could eventually own half of. Uh, beyond that, uh, I disagree with the comments from Snowden. And I think that we'll probably have more on that at legal sports report uh, before too long in terms of what level of ownership does Penn really need to take for the direction of Barstool moving forward?
0: Yeah, it was interesting. A couple of uh, in a, a good buddy of mine getting introduced into the Uh, sports betting hall of fame as well in jay rude so congrats to him a legend here in las vegas and uh, congrats to all those guys that are getting inducted into the hall of fame as well guys as always we are on apple spotify stitcher and google from the podcast side of things and hey we're on youtube now so if you're finding us there go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you want to get the lowdown on everything we talked about legal sports report.com at dustin galker at adam candy that is two e's and no y for adam for dustin i'm matt Talk to you guys next week.
2: The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45 minute break in the day between meetings, Realize this is your moment, so you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select
0: faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. ba da ba Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Camo meal, valid when product served.
1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing.